Welcome to the Ad Nauseam Podcast, where classical gourmands everywhere can finally get their fill. Join us for a delectable discussion of Greco-Roman civilization stretching from the Minoans and Mycenaeans through the Renaissance and right down to the present. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here are your hosts, Dr. David Noe and Dr. Jeff Winkle. Welcome, Ad Nauseanos, to episode 100. As always, my name is Dr. David C. Noe. I'm here in the vomitorium on a, um, you know, kind of weather-changey October evening with my good friend and co-host, the fabulous Dr. Jeffrey T. Winkle. How are you, Jeff? Feeling good this evening. Are you? The, the, the weather not standing. You're right. It's kind of damp and rainy out That's there. That's okay. Yeah, it's 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 fall in Michigan. What do you what do you what do you want? Yeah. Well, right. I want something very different, but this yeah. is what I expect. It, what, yeah. What do you think you're gonna get? Yeah. But what about that opening music? That's different. That What's going different. on there? That, that was that was rocking. That was. Yeah. Yeah. The the first part there, we got our friend Scott Van Zen. What did you call those things that he's playing? He's playing arpeggios. Arpeggios. The wheedly 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 wheedly. Yes. Like that. And yep. then uh, uh, the man himself, Ken, coming in with that nice bluesy solo at the end. Yeah. So I think it's our, our two um, wonderful music contributors working together. That's there. right. Yeah. Yeah. Contributing uh, so generously their talent here. So we're celebrating a special occasion. This is episode 100. That's right. Yeah. We've reached the century mark on this podcast. It's, it's very exciting. Um, I knew we'd get here. And it's time for a cheesy clip show, it right? It is, exactly. Who right. wants to do all the work of writing the script and putting together the material and checking the footnotes and, it's, you know. It's time to rest on our laurels and just kind right. of phone it in from here. It's not time to put on makeup. It's not time to light the lights. No, not at all. It's not time, time to, to get things started. And and uh, who knows what heights we'll hit on with the show. This is it. No, it's time to sit back on the couch, let other people do the work and... That was the Muppets. Oh, I, I... And then you added in Looney Tunes. I did. I, I, I missed, the, missed your reference there. I was never a big Muppets guy. That's a portmanteau of some sort. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're going to rest on our laurels this evening. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we're going to let ourselves do the work that we've previously done. That's right. Yeah, okay. We're, yeah, we're going to mail this one in. That's right. Okay. So I'd like to give a kind of a semi-shout out. Really? Yes. And that is to our friend Buster, who recently received another shout out. And guess what this guy wants? What? When I told him we were putting together a cheesy clip show, yeah. he said, are you going to do the best of shout outs? Oh. He wanted to be in the best of shout outs. Can you believe that? It's a little greedy. It's more than a little avaricious. But you know what? Buster, he, uh, via you, he sent me that clip from Spinal Tap. So that was all is forgiven. All is forgiven? Yes. Which one is that? Uh, the, the, the Spinal Tap clip? Yeah. Which clip was it? Because I didn't where, wa- I don't watch things he oh, sends me. Come on. It's with uh, David St. Hubbins. Um, <laughs> Who's uh, the actor? I'm forgetting his name. The guy who played Lenny and Lenny and Squeaky. Yeah, yeah. He's pretending to be David Coverdale, right? Uh, more or less, right? But he's talking about uh, seeing Yngwie Malmsteen play oh, and wanting right. just to throw away his guitar. Right. Like, what's the point anymore? And right. So, and so Buster, I mean, he's a close listener. Yeah. And so it reminded him of an episode where I was referencing a similar kind of thing. You see someone who's so good at something and you you like to do that thing, but you say, oh, I'm never going to get to that level, so forget it. Right. You know? <laughs> so I thought that that was a brilliant uh, I, uh, little addition. It was. And I did watch it. In fact, and the funny part, and as I'm remembering now, the funny part is um, he says at the end there, I'm glad he added in the J <laughs> to distinguish him from all the other Ingvi Malmsteins. <laughs> funny stuff. Yeah, that's great. And what does that have to do with classics, Jeff? Come on, make the segue. Get on the segue. And what does that have to do with classics? And roll around the neighborhood. I was just I was complimenting our, our wonderful shout outie, right. Buster, for sending the, it along. Yeah, the avaricious one. Right. Were you going to make some kind of connection to the classics for, through via Spinal Tap? I was not even going to try. Oh, okay. Well, I don't have anything either. But the ostensible theme of this humble podcast yes. now resting on its 
100th episode laurels mm-hmm. is the classics. Of course. Taking them in. And keeping them down. And keeping them down. Right. That's right. We started, I think our, our first episode, uh, um, you used that very phrase. And, and I, think that, um, I think that we've kept true to that vision. Okay. Well, yeah. let's roll that first clip then. Tossed around a few ideas, I think, but we settled on this. I think for kind of two main reasons. I think one, it's it's Latinate, right, and that speaks to uh, kind of the the broader topics uh, that we're going to be covering mm-hmm. on this podcast. Uh, but it's also it's lighter. It's yeah. it's kind of self deprecating. I mean, right. ad nauseum means like to the point of vomiting. Yes. Right? So you've taken in all you can, and you can't take in anymore. Right. Exactly. And then it, it comes out. I don't think I'm wrong in saying that it, when you see things written in Latin, or when something in Latin shows up, say in a movie, right. Uh, Often the intention is to kind of raise the seriousness level. Something in Latin immediately has kind of an, an aura of importance. Definitely. Right? In fact, pretty much uh, not a week goes by that I don't receive some kind of communication from someone asking, it happened yesterday, how do I say this in Latin? Really? You get, a, you get a lot of those. I get a lot of those wow. because I want it to sound more important, yeah. more impressive, grandiloquent. So what do you think, Winkle? Well, that was from our first episode, right? Yeah. So uh, my first reaction is that I sound like an over-caffeinated squirrel, right? <laughs> I mean... What do I sound like? Uh, I, I, I don't know what... I, I, You're too kind to say. I am too kind to say. Now, the listener but, doesn't know that there was a proto... A proto first episode. Do you remember that? Oh, that was even that's even more horrible to think about. In right? my living room? Yes. Where we were trying to find ways to kind of contain the sound. Yeah, we right? were trying to manipulate the acoustics. Right. And I think we were, we were huddled around, I think it was your son's blue yeti microphone. You're right? right. And then I think we propped up some stools and draped a couple of uh <laughs> bedspreads or comforters over it. Yeah, it reminded we... me of, of like when my sons like to make forts <laughs> with blankets and couches. And then we crawled underneath there and tried to record some <laughs> drivel. It was ridiculous. Right. Awful. That's. I, I hope. Did you destroy that tape? I, I burned it in the yard. Thank you. Yep. Kind of a ritual burning. That, no, that was horrible. But I got to say, I still like the title of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's that's. Um, I think that's aged well. Yeah. Over a hundred episodes. Well, it was yeah. Jillian who brought us together. My daughter. You know. I yep. said I really want to do a podcast. Uh, not to form community, but to try to build a crushing media empire. Right. And she said, well, how about Winky? You should get together with him. You guys have a report. I'm forever thankful to your lovely daughter. But it also also reminds me that you were the one who came up with the idea for the podcast. But you came up with the idea for the name. The name. But I want to mention, I think, if I remember correctly, I was not your first choice. For a co-host. You were thinking about some other some other flunky. That's true. That's true. You were not my first choice. Uh, but the guy who was my first choice, you know, he wisely said, you know, you need someone who's more um, attuned to your particular interests. Ah. He said, I'm interested and, I, you know, I could help you, but you got to get someone with a lot of pushback. I mean, words to that effect. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're the guy with a lot of pushback, let me tell you. After <laughs> 100 episodes, the push is back. Oh, man, you're feeling it. I'm feeling it this evening. All right. Should we, should we roll another Let's clip? go on to the next one. Here's, let's roll clip two. Similar to when I was in graduate school and uh, graduate school, and I was teaching, and I described some passage of literature as macabre, and one of my <laughs> students actually corrected me and said, uh, "Mr. Noe, I, I think that's pronounced macabre." And I said, "You've got to be kidding! What, what's that? What's that R doing in there? It's clearly macabre." <laughs> right. and, uh, so I failed that student, obviously. And- yeah. Do you think that joke has grown old? I don't think so. No, I, I, I'm. I always find mispronunciations hilarious. I do too. Right. I like the phonetic twisting of the English language. Yeah. Remi- All the unpredictabilities, right? Right. It reminds me sometimes in my myth classes, I will have um, students read aloud because right? I get sick of you know, doing all the talking. You, you, right. you read this passage. I'm sure they get sick of doing all the listening. Right. Oh, absolutely. 
And but you know these often these passages are loaded with um, you know long complicated Greek words, right? <laughs> and I don't I don't give them any coaching because I think it's hilarious sometimes what comes out of their mouths, yeah. uh, the, the way they butcher that. It's and tough. It's very tough. But yeah, it's also, English is not phonetic. Who knows what those letters are doing in there? <laughs> right, right, right. It's crazy. That's very funny. Hmm. See, uh, you, do you have any more mispronunciation stories along uh, those lines? I used to think there were two different words, facade and facade. Really? I may have mentioned that on this show at some point. What was what was one and what was the other? Did you think they were they were I, I thought, to... I, yeah, I thought a facade was something you would put in front of a fort, you know, as a way to protect you. But then I knew that a facade was something that was fake. I see. But what I didn't notice was the little sedia. You know, the sea has that little foot, that little tail that sticking little tail. down there. It's yeah. a French thing. Blame it on the French, yeah. I like to say. And then I realized, that's one word. Wow. And so you never, never again designed or thought about a castle. No. And you know, hiding behind the, what, what was it? The, the facade. The facade. <laughs> Good stuff. Now, come on, our listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's indulge in some, you know, um, pointless flattery of the audience. There are people who read a lot of books too. Oh yeah. And a common problem is when you read books, you are introduced to a wide array of words which you don't encounter in everyday speech, so right. you don't know how to pronounce them. Right, right, right. Yeah. To go a little bit pedantic here, which is my my specialty, mm-hmm. uh, the average speaker uses about three to four thousand different English words in any given day. Hmm. Right. But the English language has more than a million. Yeah. So it doesn't take long to get out beyond your comfort zone and your comfort zoney, and then you don't know um, how to pronounce those words. Right, right, right. And if you, if you only ever experience them you know, silently on a page... That's right. Right, it's gonna, you're going to run into trouble. Yeah, you sound like an egghead. So those two clips were both from episode one back in the early days. Yeah. And then we're going to go on to episode two, where something was wrong with the audio. How, how could we... We had technological problems? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so for Glaucus and Diabetes, it's uh, the fact that they have this family history of gas friendship mm-hmm. is way more important than their loyalty, you might call it, to the, tre- the Trojan or the Greek side. That's right. Yeah. So to contextualize a little bit, a few generations from now, when you know my granddaughter and your grandson meet up in some business setting and they're trying to hash out a deal, right? Buying or selling a house or advertising or something. The argument's getting kind of heated and the winkles and the noes are about to, you know, draw on one another. And all of a sudden your granddaughter says, wait a minute, wasn't your grandfather involved in that short-lived but glorious podcast ad nauseum with my grandfather? Yes. And all of a sudden the conflict ends. (laughs) Exactly right. Everything is, is smoothed over. They and sit that supersedes down. everything. Right. They right. sit down, they open a picnic basket, which is basically what Glaucus and Diomedes do on the battlefield. They open up this picnic basket and they start to compare notes of genealogy. Oh, that's pretty awful, isn't it? That's awful. That's a, I, have, I have to imagine that for you, that's like listening to jazz. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> we did figure out what the problem was, though. Right. We had the, were the microphones backward? Yeah, the, the microphones have only, they're, they're unidirectional in mm-hmm. terms of how the diaphragm and the sound reception and the what's it, nots it works. Yeah. And we had them turned around. We did. It's almost like we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> right. It does sound like, you know, why did they choose to record from the bottom of a giant urinal? That's right. <laughs> All right, let's roll the next clip. This one is from episode four. And we're going to get some impersonations. And as he's flying up, before he does it, he hears kind of in the echoing in his in his memory. He hears his, his father say, it is forbidden. It is forbidden. Right. But he does it anyway. It's a great Brando, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> it is forbidden. Let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the range of that guy. 
It is forbidden. Oh, again, that's awful for an entirely different kind of reason. Why? 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 What? What business do I have attempting impersonations? I mean, that's a that's a C minus Brando. At you best. think so? Yeah, maybe not the is forbidden part, but trying to do the Godfather. Yeah, and everybody does the Godfather. Right. That's right. Everybody can like everybody can do like a passable Nicholson. That's right. Too, right. So which or I'm a, not going to attempt right now. A, a passable Arnold Schwarzenegger. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, mean, I guess maybe Brando kind of falls in that category when he's Don Corleone. I did but. some impersonations when I was a child. I was very keen on that. You were? Mm-hmm. Like, like, who were you impersonating? I had a Ronald Reagan. You Did you really? Well, he was the president at the time. Were you entertaining, like, family and friends? Or what was uh, going on here? Large gatherings of moose and, <laughs> and uh, Lions Club. And No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Did I you was mostly that? entertaining myself. Uh, this was when, like, at the dinner table? Like, you know, for your you, your family and your siblings <laughs> uh, uh, to kind of pull out your Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Yeah? Right. Wow. Mom, tear down these mashed potatoes. <laughs> I had a John Wayne that was decent. Okay, yeah, that's another one. That I think that yeah, that most most people could do passively. Yeah, he well. probably studied the classics. <laughs> John Wayne. <laughs> well, I tell you, Pilgrim. You know, it's funny. That's pretty bad. It is bad. Marion something, right? Is his real, real name? Is Marion right? Yeah. I my kids have a neighborhood friend who is he's nine years old, and I swear. Everything he he says comes out like John Wayne. And so really? I was like, "Hey, Fulton, what you doing? What you know? How you doing today? Can your sons come out and play today?" <laughs> oh, it's so funny that that's oh, great. Yeah. Now let's skip ahead. Um, let's skip ahead to episode twelve. We got a nice clip here from episode twelve. I try to find like a bowl of spaghetti or something like that. A bowl of spaghetti? Where's this going? Well, it's something chaotic, right? Oh, I see. There are a number of different elements, but there's no discernible order. Gotcha. Right. Right. You know, maybe a a picture of a dorm room or something. (laughs) Something that's all just kind of discombobulated. I gotcha. I always use the the image of like a a lump of clay. A lump of clay is good. Something that's awaiting to be ordered. But there's nothing else in it, though. Well, come the, on, Winkle. I mean, the translation that's often given for chaos is a yawning gap, right? A yawning gap. A gap. Yeah, a, you got a photo of that? So what were we doing there? We, we're, talking we're, ta- about- we're trying to identify or, or define chaos. Okay, in like a, a visual. Right, right. A visual image. How are we supposed to... Um, uh, this is the, the the chaos out of which order comes. And Got so, it. What does that look like? And so you suggested something kind of wildly, you know, disorganized, and I I suggested something more kind of uh, simple and unformed. Right. right. Yeah. So there's a story behind that actually, and I don't think I told that story before. Oh, well, tell it now. And that is uh, back when I was working at the, the institution where we both worked. Yes. I was generously invited to be a part of a little project for a book that was co-edited by one of our. Uh, guests, Mr. Gary Schmidt, mm-hmm. and uh, my friend Matt Walhout, who was a professor of physics. And the title of the book was Practically Human, mm-hmm. and it was a collection of essays about the liberal arts. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, and I wrote one that I was I was pleased with about the classics, and then we were together discussing the book afterward. It was like an after-publication party or were, something. Were all the contributors there? All the contributors, okay. or most of them, and the editors. All right. And people were just talking about what they liked and, and disliked. And I said, well, you know, I'm not really that comfortable with the cover because it looks kind of chaotic. Uh-oh. And Matt said, he said, well, you know, what don't you like about it? And I foolishly said, well, if you like the picture of a bowl of spaghetti looking at you, because that's what it looks like. It does. And uh, he, he said, um, and I thought that was funny. And he said, uh, the original of that painting is hanging on my wall at home. <laughs> Now, did did Matt find some humor in this at least, or, or was he like, was it more kind of stone faced? Maybe a little bit of humor. Okay, I think he was fairly um, 
he was quite kind to me and fairly, you know, tolerant. But he felt like you were impugning his taste. I didn't know that he had that, you know, <laughs> right. painting. It's like a Jackson Pollock sort of thing. Yeah, I, it's fine for some, but no thanks. Do you, I, I, I mean, this paper this is, is pressing this too. Just connected to classics. That's well, all I can say. Well, I, I just wonder, like, do you know why that that painting was chosen for that particular volume? What is it? Is how does it connect with the? the I don't practically kn- human. I don't know. Okay, I think it was just considered by some. Uh, a beautiful work of art, and that's what you want on the cover of a book. All right. We should just maybe leave it there. Okay. And go on to the next clip. Let's do it. So in this, this section, um, Euripides and, and Aeschylus are, are kind of heating up their argument. So let me read a little bit. So Euripides uh, says, look, I've watched and studied this guy, Aeschylus, for decades. His character is crass and tongueless and toothless. His mouth is a maelstrom of guttural, gribble-grabble-grobbly grunk. And Aeschylus responds, Oh, is that right, you son of a garden goddess? You have the nerve to say that about me? You rag-stitching, gossip-kvetching, beggar-bewitching mountebank? You'll pay for this. Dionysus interjects. He says, calm down, Aeschylus. You'll pop an ulcer, Aeschylus. I will not calm down. Not before I reveal this poet of cripples and freaks for who he really is. <laughs> so you really enjoyed translating oh, this. Oh, I did. This is so much fun. Episode 16, Jeff. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I don't, I don't remember it at all. No? You've no. blocked it out? No. So this was uh, entitled Euripides, Eubiades. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I yeah. think it was yours. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's Alcestis parts one and part two. Dude, I love the Alcestis. Now, so, it, now it's coming back to me. Okay, so yeah. why why was your translation of the frogs in there? Well, it's, was well, it just our typical filler material? Maybe. Possibly, right? Um, I mean, I th- maybe at that point in the podcast, we didn't have enough material to fill a whole episode. We just <laughs> threw in whatever. Um, but, I got an old grad school paper i'll read part of that yeah exactly right no i'm still very proud of that that translation of the frog it's great that's that's a lot of fun and the the grobbledy grook and the pop and ulcer and so forth i often will insult people by calling them a son of a garden goddess you do that i'm not exactly sure what that means no it it doesn't sound good do you use that on your poor neighbor fulton i put exactly right he comes back with a uh, well i sent for you yesterday (laughs) and here you come today right so yeah. that was 16. 17 was Honey, I'm Home, mm-hmm. right? So later in the show today, I think maybe we ought to talk about your secret process for coming up with um, funny titles. Okay. And how we occasionally collaborate. Mm-hmm. And how we often disagree. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. We do. I get a lot of pushback on that side of the table. For me? Yeah, sometimes. In the writing of the titles? Well, I mean, very often I come up with something I think it's it's pure gold. But it's not. And then you, you respond with, eh. It's, no, it's more of a meh. I, no, I hear this sound a lot. Eh. It's a meh. Okay. It's All, a, right. It's, All right. It's more like pyrite, frankly. Right. So I, we're, I think in that in that part of the show, we're not always on the, the same wavelength, but we, okay. that, I think that, that tension produces something good. Speaking of wavelengths, yes. it's time to talk about the ads. Let's do it. Let's roll clip 20. That's kind of what you get, but the edges are a little sharper, the visuals a little less squinty. And it brews a good cup of joe? A good cup of joe? <laughs> are you reading the script even, Winkle? What does it say? It says, and it brews a go cup of joe? You don't like that? <laughs> right on. It brews a sweet... Degassed. Degassed. <laughs> a, a sweet degassed cup with all the flavor and none of the brackish. T- <laughs> none of the brackish tang. <laughs> I can't do the next line. Listen up, Ad Nazarenos. 
Boy, we were losing it a little bit there. We were. I was aware. That's. I think that was the that was the moment. The I think brackish tangs uh, became a running gag. A running gag or an inside joke? Well, it's no, it's a running gag. What's the distinction? Well, the inside joke is if it's well, maybe it is only entertaining us, right? But uh, we're inviting hundreds of other people to listen to this. Thousands, Winkle. So I think at this point we we call it a running gag. Okay. And I think that I, I assume that that most people enjoy that. I, I otherwise, you know, it's I, like a callback. Yeah. Right. Right. So, in, in fact, we had a listener. Yes, we did. Who's a big fan of the Brackish Tang. Yeah, my friend Isaac. Right. Yeah, it, former student. I think you probably know him. Uh, in respect, you know, for the absent, I won't mention his last name. Okay. But Isaac said, I really like the Brackish Tang. And, and what did he What did he want? He, I, I can't, oh, he wants a t-shirt. Well, no. He I, wants a t-shirt just that says, t-shirt. bring back the, the Brackish Tang. Right. But didn't he also, he wanted, he'd be happy if we did the Brackish Tang gag in every episode. Well, I think he would like just the entire episode <laughs> to just be you and I saying <laughs> as slowly as possible, Brackish Tang. <laughs> but for those who, uh, the majority of the audience, are bored by this drivel, what was the... Genesis. What's the backstory of the brackish tang? It um it came. It was Peter Green's phrase. I yes, believe, right. And it was uh, from his great great book, The Greco Persian Wars. Right. And he was he was putting the the reader, um you know, at the scene of the Battle of Thermopylae before kind of it all went down. Yeah, the mise en scène. Right? Yes, and he um. You know, he imagines, you know, the, the wind rustling through the trees. Yeah, it's and, beautiful. Leonidas and, marching along the coast there, right by the Gulf, and your nostrils are filled with the brackish tang of the nearby sea. Which floats up over the plain to the hot gates. Yeah. So evocative. It was great. That guy can write. That's right. And, it, and here we've reduced it to a ridiculous, <laughs> stupid running gag. A slogan for schlepping coffee. <laughs> right, right. But it's fun, isn't it? It is. So someone out there, come up with a t-shirt, uh, brackish tang, and, and uh, we'll give you all the proceeds, none of the proceeds. What's our plan? I think they get um, uh, they get 10%. Okay. All right. That seems fair. We should roll the next clip. Let's do it. This one comes from episode 23. So eighth grade is in the high school, and they try to keep us separate but unequal was kind of what they were <laughs> going for, and they succeeded. Uh, and I was terrified also. Yeah. But I have a keen uh, memory of thinking about where can I find some upperclassman ally, right, uh, guy or gal, right, who will <laughs> treat me, you know, like mentor treats Telemachus really take you under their wing because once you have the approval and protection right of an older student in that setting you're golden right? you're, you're no longer on your own right it, it reminds you of uh, you know, trying to survive in a prison right you have to kind of how, how could you have a memory of that <laughs> well it's not a memory I mean all my knowledge of that comes from movies so that reminds me of uh, I have a horrible eighth grade memory. That well, let's hear it. It's Jeff. nothing to do with the classics. Would you like to sit down, take off your shoes? I well, no. Relax a little bit. No, I'm I'm fine where I am. Okay, I'm good. Uh, I liked I did like how you kind of you tied your eighth grade experience into uh, the kind of the dynamic of of Telemachus. I thought that was pretty of course. Impressive, right? yeah. yeah, I mean because this show is about the classics, it as is. I keep saying. Right, and so um, jumping off that, I'm going to share a story that has nothing to do with the classics. Is that okay with you? Oh yes. Okay, right. As long as it doesn't go on for more than about 27 seconds. Okay. Well, this is uh, an embarrassing eighth grade memory of mine. So we had this week. I think it was called like Twerp Week. Where like like means like the woman is required to pay. It's like a Sadie Hawkins, you know, where the the girls choose. The Why guys. was it called that? What called twerp? Twerp. Twerp. The woman is required to pay. So it's kind of a, re- oh, a reversal. It's an acronym. Right, a reversal of kind of your typical gender roles in, I, in I relationship. See. So got it. And it was so like uh, you know if a girl had a crush on you, um, uh, she would kind of you choose you for that week. 
And there was a number of, of uh, kind of events during the week that you were supposed to do together. And so I remember. So who was the lovely young lady who chose you? Um, her name was Michelle. Okay. And she was she was wonderful. She was very sweet. But there was one day that was uh, you were supposed to dress like your like your twerp. Okay. Uh, um, like like the other person. And so it's so uh, a little cross dressing kind of thing. Well, 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 you're you're kind of you're you're jumping ahead of this. Okay. You know, any sane person would say that oh. You're supposed to show up wearing kind of the same thing so everybody can see visually that, oh, those two are together. You match. But I read it as, dress as Michelle would usually (laughs) dress. I said, what am I supposed to do with that? It was terrifying. So what did you do with it, Michael? I ended up doing nothing. I I never talked to her about it, and I just kind of ignored it. I'm I'm not going to dress like Michelle dresses. So you passed through the next five years of, or eight (laughs) years of high school, and not one word to Michelle. That that was, you know, after that week, it was pretty much done between she and I. But um, Very short I do remember that kind of that idea stuck in my head. I said, how can this possibly be? Who Mm. is going to do this? And (laughs) and I certainly was not. And so. That's pretty embarrassing. And then when, in the next day, when I saw people dressing, you know, with with similar, like wearing like the same kind of Michigan sweatshirt. Right. Oh, there that's, you go. That's what it was. Dress like each other. Exactly. Wear something similar. Right. All right. Well, let's roll a clip from episode 24. And this one is called A Toast to the Host Who Can Boast the Most Roast. No, so we're, we're in the Odyssey here. That's correct. Yeah. Let's roll it. Split cedar and arborvitae and other essential oils <laughs> all around the island. Who is this Calypso? She is, again, in the canon of mythology. We don't know a lot about her. She's a daughter of Atlas, I believe. Okay. Uh, who is a titan. Um, but she's a, a minor goddess uh, with a, with her own island. Mm-hmm. And there's, I guess apparently a lot of these minor goddesses, they have their own islands. Well, there are a lot of them out there. They're, yeah. We meet, we'll meet Circe. Yep. And she's another one that shows up. But, That's uh, right. Should we talk about her name? Yes. Calypso has a really interesting epithet. It's Euplacamos. Euplacamos. Yes. Which means uh, fair-haired. Or with goodly locks. With goodly locks. Yeah. Apparently, she had long, beautiful hair, braided and tressed. It's an epithet of goddesses and women in Homer, uh, especially of Dawn, right, and yes. of Artemis. I'm reading here from the uh, Liddell Scott and Jones, the big lexicon, the great Scott. Uh, and later on, it's also used of boys and men in other uh, parts of Greek literature. Very interesting. So Calypso is the one you'd want for your shampoo commercial. I'm doing a shampoo commercial? Yeah, it's our new sponsor. That's not in my contract. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm imagining that Calypso's uh, you know, bathroom cabinet is filled with the, the finest of hair products. I'm sure, yeah. What would be uh, some of the things you think she might have in there? Well, I think she would have a, maybe a full line of Bio Renew Hydrate Coconut Milk Shampoo and Conditioner. Maybe a Fructus Style Smooth Blow Dry Anti-Frizz Cream. Oh, I think I think uh, Homer later mentions that she uses nothing but Fructus Style. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think one of my favorites, as I was you know Googling for the kinds of products that Calypso might use, <laughs> was the Whole Blends Oat Delicacy Gentle Detangling Hair Milk by Garnier. Oh, by Garnier. <laughs> Hair milk. What do you think, Jeff? Oh, man. That nearly went off the rails. Or did it go fully off the rails? I think it went fully off the rails. Yeah. We got some hate mail. We did. Well, we got a super fan down in Texas. She knows who she is. And she said, I did not like that long spiel about hair products. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, the show's not just for you. Right. Right. I'm sure there were, as as, uh, for every one of those, there were were five five that that loved it. Right. Right. I mean, we were fishing for a Fructus or or Garnier sponsorship, which never panned out. My motto is tress for success, always. (laughs) Uh, I still can't look at a glass of oat milk the same way (laughs) ever again. No, that was good stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. 
But can you attach all that to classics? In of some course way? I can. Well, sure. Go for it. Yeah. So back in the day, teaching at that former institution, mm-hmm. I had a very sharp young student. You'd know his name. Uh, first name, Michael. Last initial, K. Yes. Yes. Know him well. Yep. That's right. And uh, he coined a wonderful Greek word, a neologism. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, the Greek word for bed is lexis. Yes. And the Greek word for hair is a trichai, right? So he coined the term for bedhead, lexitrichia. Nice. Isn't that nice? Nicely done. Yeah, you got, oh, I'm suffering from lexitrichia. My hair is all messed up from right. having that, sound, that sounds slept. way more impressive than bedhead or whatever. Oh, yeah, right, right? lexitrichia. I got a yeah. bad case of lexitrichia. Nice. It's a nice job, Michael. All right, let's roll clip number 28, which was our conversation with Susan Weisbauer. Mm-hmm. I'm a musician myself, and so I, I, I keyed in on that you were a, a professional musician and I just thought that was so interesting. And um, but Jeff, you like to perform more than practice, well, right? It's the opposite. No, I, no, I, I'm okay with performing. I, in some ways, I'm much more happier to be alone in a room with my with my guitar than in front yeah. of people. What do you think, Jeff? I, I, was she mocking me with that high pitched laugh there? Yeah. Ha ha ha! Right. Yeah. I think a little bit. Yeah, because it sounded kind of a little bit like Nelson from The Simpsons. To me, right? <laughs> I think yeah. that you enjoyed that interview even more than I did. Well, it was it was wonderful talking to her. Yeah, and people loved it too. Uh, later on in the show, maybe we will read off a list of the most successful episodes in terms of the number of downloads might yeah. surprise people but that one's right near the top it is she's got people, a lot of name recognition she does i thought that she was just a really impressive person yes a right? renaissance woman mm-hmm. charming is talented uh but uh you're a musician so a, as a little special treat we're going to play a portion of one of your songs right here and i think it's called drama queen that's right so before people listen to it can you give a little bit of an intro to what's going on yeah so uh this the 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 idea for the song came from i was watching a documentary about uh, Janis Joplin, you know, the great late singer um, mm-hmm. who tra- she founded Joplin, Missouri, I think. I bet, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Um, she, um, she she died tragically young. She belongs to that horrible 27 club, but she had that great, raw, wonderful rock voice. And but the thing that struck me about the documentary was, is that she was from Port Arthur, Texas. OK. And she went out to, you know, to L.A. and kind of made it big in, in the scene. And um, Port Arthur, Texas is a very conservative town. And so there's a part in the documentary where she had had some success in LA, and then she came back home, and she was gonna kind of stick it to the to the the squares, the right? locals, the locals, right? And what ended up happening is that the locals just kind of completely gave her the the cold shoulder, mm. and she ended up kind of there was a really kind of sad interview where she just kind of crumpled, and, and she was this kind of this lost schoolgirl mm. who's just kind of reliving her school pain mm. um, of you know being kind of an outsider uh, back home, and, and it, she didn't get the great revenge that she wanted. And so I thought, the, the, so the, the lyrics of the song are from the point of view of the of the people back home, mm. kind of reacting like, you know, who is this weirdo coming back home, and like, who does she think she is, kind of telling us how it is, right? And so referring to her as the, you know, um, the drama the, queen, the, the welcome back drama queen, yeah, yeah. So that was the that's the inspiration for the song.
instruments on that track? Uh, yes and no. Uh, everything, the, the drums are, are program drums. I'm not a drummer. But it's what do we go get? Bass, bass, guitar, uh, both electric and acoustic. Um, I think it's just electric on that one, and piano, and piano, and vocals, and all the vocals. Mm-hmm. Impressive, Winkle. So, Thank what you. are you doing on this crummy little podcast? You could be out there on the scene, you I, know. I should be out there on the scene. Yeah. What am I doing here? <laughs> right. So let's roll the next clip. This is uh, episode thirty-one. One of our first uh, guests, I think there was only just a couple before him, and this is uh, Ed Watts mm-hmm. about uh, the decline and fall of Rome. I right? remember this, yeah. yeah. What is it called? Immortal... Um... Mortal Republic. Mortal Republic. Yes. All right, roll that clip. I don't like him as a person. And actually, you know, that even as a Latin stylist, I don't like him. I like stylist a lot more. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> You're but, talking to but a Ciceronian over here. insights are incredibly <laughs> precise and profound. So how do you feel now? Are you still kind of upset about him trashing your, your guy? Yeah, he trashed Cicero, you know, great guest, but I don't know. Anybody who doesn't like Cicero, is could, could that guy be a friend of mine? I don't know. I said, what are the chances of getting this guy back on the podcast? Pretty high, actually. Oh, really, really? Yeah, he liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, um, he, he sent us another book, uh, The Immortal Decline and Fall of Rome, something like, I can't remember the... The Eternal Fall of Rome. I think that's what it is. This guy's just cranking out books. He's, He's a, very impressive. A prolific guy. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mishka put together some of these clips, and she entitled this one, The Horror. Oh. Which I think is mocking me. I think so, too. Because uh, I like Cicero, and, you know, it is horrific to consider. I could do another Brando impression. Go ahead. I just watched it in my film class. We watched Apocalypse Now. Okay. Where the last words of Brando in that film are, The Horror. <laughs> the Horror. As Colonel Kurtz. Have you seen Apocalypse Now? No. Do- oh, Colonel Kurtz, Kurtz, the guy that invented the chicken and the what? You know, that you're talking about the the Colonel Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders, sorry. Right. sorry no. Was it the guy in Hogan's Heroes? Um, it's Colonel Clink. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. All right. So let's go on to the next clip. After which we'll probably have some ads, and this is going to be from episode thirty-two, the. Odysseus series, right? The Odyssey series. And this one was entitled Swined and Dined. That's a good one. Roll the clip. Scylla? Well, you haven't said enough about Scylla. Well, tell us more about Scylla. Well, you got more to say about I Scylla? I do. Okay. Scylla is a woman from the waist up. She's anthropomorphic, but she is a pack of dogs from the waist down. That's creepy. Think about that for a minute, listener. That's horrifying. Yeah, to be a dog from the waist down, bad enough. But to be a pack of dogs, <laughs> inevitably students ask me, how, how does that work? How can someone be a pack of dogs from the waist down? You know what my reply is? What? That's a biology question. <laughs> so don't ask it. You can't ask me that. Right. Yeah. Especially for these these kind of composite monsters. The right? chimeras. Yeah, right. Right. They fit together somehow. Right. That's all you need to know. And it, in, in terms of like horror, it's best left to your imagination. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the thing that really bothers you about Scylla is how the dogs fit together? No, that's, that's not the I'm troubling part. I'm more concerned about uh, who let the dogs out. <laughs> No good? Uh, we got to go to break already. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? God, man, it was it was bad. When did I, that peak? About 2001, no, something even, like that? I think even earlier. Than really? That. Yeah, exactly. I know it was used for the Baltimore Ravens when they were a, a team that was successful. Really? And I think Who that... Who let the uh, dogs out for the Ravens? Yes. Really? I don't know why there's any kind of relation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's a horrible song. Yeah. Right. But... um. Pro- probably uses a, a drum machine. Oh, pro- oh, exactly. I don't think it took long to to, to produce that one. Um, um, but I still find Scylla creepy. 
I you know I hear that, and I'm, I, I'm imagining kind of the swirling pack of dogs, right? Uh, making how do those bodies lower... join together, right. and how does she move around on those joined bodies? Right. Have you ever seen these, uh, like these manuals of like cryptozoology? No. All these, these, uh, these but are... I was thinking about getting a, a graduate degree in cryptozoology. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. It's a booming field. It is. Right. <laughs> I, I read something in the Wall Street Journal of all places. This mm-hmm. is about two weeks ago, of persons who are really convinced that Bigfoot is real. Yeah. I mean, the hardcore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're still looking for him. Yep. Have you seen that famous um, that yes, famous clip? Of course. Right, with exactly. the arms swinging and right. Yeah. Have you heard what Mitch Hedberg, the, the comedian, has said about big about Bigfoot? Uh, can you connect this to the classics? No, I can. I can, okay. I, I can just kind of extend what we're talking All right. about here. But he says that uh, he says that the, the thing, the problem with Bigfoot is that Bigfoot is blurry, hmm. and that's that's way more frightening. Than just him being uh, a Sasquatch is the fact that we have this out of focus monster hmm. w- uh, walking around there threatening the countryside. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't get it. No, nothing. Okay, let's move on. All right. But speaking of blurry, yeah, it's time for the ads. All right. This episode of Ad Nauseum, the Cheesy Clip Show, is brought to you by Racial Coffee. Based in Portland, Oregon, the fabulous entrepreneur who is taking brackish tang out of everyone's morning ritual, Mr. Mark Helweg. Mark has designed an amazing machine. Jeff, what do you like about the Ratio 9? Ratio 9? Oh, sorry. 8. 8. I love my Ratio 8. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's the best coffee machine that I have ever owned. Mm-hmm. It's the best coffee machine I've ever used. And, I, and this is coming back, you know, I had this extended road trip. Um, this past summer, where we stayed in lots of different places, and they have the fancy breakfast, and they have kind of the yeah, um, they always have kind of the, the multiple coffee machines. There. Oh yes, and I, I every time I walked in, it was I scoffed, I, yeah. s- I sneered, <laughs> right, exactly, right. Yeah, like those, I'd use one of those. Yeah, exactly. You have the carafe that's going to go roasting on the on the on the the boiling plate, the Kindle brick, right? and it was going to taste burnt. It was going to taste awful, right? And I was just it made me long for home. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I was traveling this past week, took a little family vacation. Drank coffee in a number of different settings, but much like you, I kind of lost my taste for it, mm-hmm. and I was very pleased to get home, and uh, Sunday morning, brew up my first pot in the Ratio 8. It was fantastic. Right, and um, I graduated uh, from the Ratio 6, which is another wonderful machine. It took time, but you you know, you know, paid your dues, you went through the studies, you went to class, you, you filled out the exams, and, and, and you got to walk into the Ratio 8. I did. It was great. Um, and so, listeners, if you're interested in either one of these wonderful machines, the six or the eight, you got to go to ratiocoffee.com. It's a gorgeous website. It is. It's it's beautiful. And just look at these things. They're they're works of art. Uh, find the one you like. And if you type in the code, I believe it's A N C O seven B. Yes, seven B. And that as will, in brackish. And that will get you fifteen percent off your entire order. That's correct. And uh, you'll also be supporting this podcast. Yeah. So we'd really appreciate it. It's uh, you know, it's not a cheap machine. It's not squirty plastic discard after a year. Uh, it's an investment, but you know, you're only good as your tools. And if you're making coffee every day, uh, I I can't imagine regretting this purchase. No, and this is one of those uh, those areas where you get what you pay for. Exactly. And you you buy this machine, it's going to be around for a very long time. Yeah, that's why this podcast is free to listen to. Exactly. You get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out. This episode of Ad Nauseum, the cheesy clip show, is also brought to you by Hackett Publishing. Hackett Publishing, they've been around for 50 years. I believe exactly 50 years this yes. year. This is their anniversary year. Started in 1972. They've got offices in Indianapolis, Indiana. They've got offices in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And for a half century now, they have been providing um, affordable 
uh, high-quality translations of works, not just from the classics, but from all areas of academia, from all around the world. Um, and uh, Asian I, studies. Asian studies, Islamic studies. South American studies. And, and as we've talked about, um, they have uh, multiple translations of the same work, so you can get the, uh, the, you know, the flavors of different authors, different approaches to these things. Um, I love them for my classroom. I love them for my bookshelf. Um, I can't say enough about Hackett Publishing. Just this week, Jeff, I received an email from a friend. I was a little surprised. Uh, I was pleased, of course, but I was a little surprised because this uh, this friend, longtime friend, was asking me advice uh, and says, do you have a favorite English translation of the Aeneid? And I thought, wait a minute. This got to be a prank, right? Come on. Come on. You, you got to know I love the Lombardo. Yes. So uh, he says, in the more recent times I have taught Virgil, I approached the matter as teaching an author. We read selections and so on and so forth. Uh, mentioned some of the other translations. Haven't written back yet. I'm going to protect the person's name here yep. in case they're listening. Mm-hmm. But obviously the Lombardo, because the the merits of that translation are just phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. I, I agreed. Um, and the, the 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 selection is just amazing. So this morning, right, I was thinking about maybe some future episodes of of this podcast. Of maybe, this podcast? Uh, yes. We're not thinking, we're not stopping at a hundred. No, we're going on, audience. Uh, okay. And uh, an author that I would really love to cover in some fashion is Lucian. Oh yes, right, Samosata. Yes, lots of fun. And so I thought, you know, what, what, what's does, out there? What's out there? Does right. ha- and so I went to Hackett's website, the Manipian Satire. Came out last year. Ha. Yeah, it's 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 hot off the presses. Um, it, it looks looks fab. I looked at a little sample. It looks fabulous. They loved him in the Renaissance. Yes, Erasmus oh, could not get enough Lucian. Right. Apparently, a very witty guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, sharp and sarcastic. Right. But also uh, a, a great window onto that uh, that era that we call the Second Sophistic. Did he have a Did he have a gentle side, Lucian? And we're getting a, a little bit off track here. Or was he always brackish tang? Oh, I think he was. He was tangy, baby, uh, all the time. <laughs> You stuck the spoon in him, you dropped it in the glass, you stirred it around, and you were, you know, set as an astronaut. Exactly right. Are we getting away from uh, the, the central... Who are we talking about? We're talking about Hackett Publishing. Hackett Publishing. Right. So, listener, go to hackettpublishing.com, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, publishing.com. Find the works that you want. Uh, drop them in your little satchel and type in the coupon. What's our coupon code for It's A-N, as yeah. in ad nauseum, 2022. AN2022. Last year it was AN2021. The year before that, AN2020. Who knows what it's going to be next year? No, there's, uh, stay tuned. <laughs> right. But typing in that coupon code will get you a couple of wonderful things 20% right. off your entire order and free shipping. Check it out. All right, Jeff. So as we get back into it, before rolling a clip, mm-hmm. maybe we should give the listener a behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to do the ads. Yeah. What do you, What do you think? What have you learned? What have you forgotten? What have you dread? Well, one, I'm. I, I have to say, I I love our sponsors. Yes. I mean, I mean um, no, but sincerely. Sincerely. Yeah. Yeah. I I I love Hackett. I love Ratio. They've been really good to us. High quality right. stuff, so, really. And so, but it's it's hard to kind of keep the ads fresh, though. That's why we don't. That's right. <laughs> That's why we. That's, that's why, why they're all the same. That's why we drag out these 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 same these same gags time and time again, and um, so it's not even Isaac a gag that not even Isaac could love. Right, 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 right. right. So it's uh it's often with kind of great consternation that right. I approach the ads because I feel like I want to do due diligence for these people that supported us. Yeah, justice to you know to their support. Right. I but I feel like um I feel like Aerosmith you know playing um Walk This Way for the thirty millionth time and you know, how do you do that and bring 
you know, that, that original energy back into it. It's mm. very hard. Well, in the words of Dan Quayle, I knew Aerosmith and you're no Aerosmith. <laughs> Uh, but we we do uh, we try to we try we're trying our best. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that was Lloyd Benson, by the way. I remember that talking guy. about Dan Quayle. It wasn't actually Dan Quayle. Right. I was trying to both educate and deceive the listener at the same time. Well, well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's tough with the ads. Uh, it's great, like you said, to have fantastic sponsors. That makes the job easy. Right. Um, some people have told me uh, your friend down in Florida, mm-hmm. right? I don't remember her name. Yeah, Kelly. Early, early on, she said. The ads are my favorite part. <laughs> you know, it's and, a little discouraging. Right. Well, right after that, that when I mentioned that on air, right. she she texted me and says, says that's not true. I love the podcast. She wanted, <laughs> so she wanted to correct that. Right? Yeah. yeah, most people just like the music, right? The first twenty seconds and the last twenty seconds. That's a show, right there. That's you a show. You listen to the start, the long you, middle. You fast forward through everything or else. Just turn the volume down and take a nap. Turn there you it go. back up. We, there you go. It's perfect. That's routine. all you need. That's all you need. So we need to roll the next clip. Mm-hmm. And this is from episode 33, which is uh, in the Odyssey series. It's called Reunited, and it feels so good. Did you like that song from the uh, the 70s? I can't or? remember all of it, right. uh, nor who performed it. Right. Yeah, super cheeseball. Do you remember that that aspect it's of it? It's fitting for this episode, because that's, right. that's all we're doing. Well, let's, let's listen. One kind of funny thing I, I found I'll, in my... I'll decide if it's funny. Okay, okay, right. One thing I found okay. uh, funny in these, in these books was uh, Menelaus says... Yeah, here's some gifts, but he, you know, if you have time, let's go on this little Zania tour. He kind of says, let's go around. He says, you know, everybody's giving gifts these days. Okay. Right? So, and he's, he's probably thinking, hey, this is Odysseus's son. That's going to be another hook. Uh, we can go from a ho- town to town, house Collect to house. Collect gifts. Collect gifts. Do they have like a little punch card? And you go to all the places, you get a, a t-shirt, like the bourbon tour? Yeah, if you, and you hit them all, you get, a, you get a free t-shirt. Right. Exactly right, right. But, I, you know, I'm trying to imagine, what, are they hauling wagons? Where's the stuff going? Again, maybe these questions that you don't ask. What do you think, Jeff? About the uh, the wagons full of gifts? Yeah. Right, I'm still I'm still baffled by the it. The mini Zania tour? Right, exactly. So I think it is one of those kind of unexplained things. Like, you mm-hmm. know, where, where's all this stuff coming from? Well, Homer doesn't right. play by people's rules. No, he right? doesn't. He, wa- he does what he wants to do, and it's, a, it's an accurate, poetic, I would say, reflection of uh, maybe not what people actually do, but what they think about and what they love. Right. right. You read the Odyssey. Oh, that's that's not how people behave normally, but it is what we think about. Right. You know, food and love and war and, and struggle. This is, you know, occupies our minds. It's true. And so when we zero on, in on kind of that minutiae, you're kind of missing the forest for the trees. That's right. Right. So like in one of our more recent uh, Aeneid episodes, right, that, that, and suddenly, you know, when Aeneas throws these games, remember he's, he has oh, yeah. these boxes full of gifts. Yeah, you were and, bothered by that, I, too. I was. I was. pulling out <laughs> gifts from all over. Right, right. So it's still a little weird, but I, I take your point. That's that's not the overall point of the passage. And right. I'd just like to say mm-hmm. that at the beginning of that clip, I made some snarky comment. I'll decide if that's funny. Yeah. And I should have let you decide. Oh, I, I see. Because it was funny. You were totally right. Oh, thank you. So we should roll the next clip. Mm-hmm. This one comes from episode 34, still in the Odysseus series. Yeah. It's called uh, Take a Gander at This Dream I Had, <laughs> Homer's Odyssey, Odyssey, Part 9. And this is the absolute dog. What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? Like, I think of all of our episodes, this may have the least number of downloads, even though it's something like two years old now. Wow. Man, was it was it just that bad? I don't think so. If you listen to this clip, I think there's some charm. Yeah. Maybe the word gander. As you think about how Google search works, uh, gander is not a word I enter into the Omnibox very often. 
Is it for you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, there's, there's Gander Mountain. I think some kind of clothing store. Right. So, so it's your is your theory is your theory that uh, when most people listening to this podcast are it's just to, stumble upon it, stumble by, by, by typing in strange keywords. That's right. Right. That's why the episode "The Young and the Restless" got so many uh, hits. I think. I mean, it was a good episode. You yeah. you helmed that one. Uh, that was the Joseph Campbell one. You put that together. Yeah. But it's surprising how many downloads it got because I didn't think people were looking for that. Yeah. Okay. All right. No. Let's roll that one from episode 34. Okay. So in some of these these minor suitor characters who are mentioned, and we get these li- these little vignettes, there's a... Mm-hmm. Um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Amphinimus. Amphinimus. Yes, exactly. Yep. I think he's one of these characters where Homer at least makes a step back yep. and mourn a little bit. Give them a little bit of credence, a little bit of sympathy. Right. Is Amphinimus the character that can live both in the palace and out of the palace? <laughs> exactly. He's in, he's Amphinimus. <laughs> Right. Or am I thinking of someone else? Uh, no, th- this is the guy. Okay. Yeah, he's he's as, as at home in a bedroom as he is out under the stars. Okay. Right? He's amphinimus. 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 Yeah, what does he wrap his sandwiches in when he brings them to work? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Aluminum. <laughs> I thought you would have seen that coming. No. no. So what do you think, Jeff? That's, that's great. That's great stuff, <laughs> right? So I don't, I don't understand by the lack of download. I don't. Amphinimus. Oh, that's 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 great. That's funny stuff. So I, may, maybe this clip show will encourage you know, um, you know, current listeners. Hey, I need to go back and listen to that. And that's the whole purpose, actually. Bump, bump the numbers of the cheesy clip show is to somehow resurrect episode thirty-four. That's what. That's what. Right. Give it a new lease on life. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right, so the next clip is from episode 36. Mm-hmm. You remember the title of that one? We're still in the Odyssey series. Yeah, here, right? so we're just slogging through it. This is uh, Come for the Wine, Stay for the Retributive Justice. Yeah, was that yours or mine or a combination? Um, I, I think it was, It was. you were kind of all about the retributive justice. Oh, I that, always am. Right, and so then I think I came up with the with the title kind of based on kind of your ideas mm. uh, around that. Kind of poking me in the eye, wouldn't you not, say? Not at all. It was an homage. Okay, Yeah. I'll take it. Let's roll that clip. Uh, an, an almost impossible feat of marksmanship. And strength. And strength. Because the arrow has to be going at a very right. high velocity. Right. And as we'll see, just even stringing the bow seems to be an impossible task. Right. So um, this is where it, it all goes down. And Penelope goes up uh, to retrieve the bro. The bro. <laughs> Not the bro. The bow. And bring it down for the contest. So you wanted an homage, but you got a blooper. <laughs> I did. But it makes me really wish there was a version of the Odyssey where Penelope actually did, you know, mishear things and she came down with the bro. And just like, what, what is that? It's just like, you know, just like some dude. Big, big muscly guy. Yeah. Was, doesn't you know, know what he's doing. Like some kind of California guy. Hey, right. What's going on here? What's right. with the exes? Right. 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 Maybe have, uh, was it Fred Armisen? Yes. From uh, the Californians. The Californians. He could play that. Exactly. Comes in there and then, and I just says, no, no, no. no Not said, the bro. The bow. The bow. Right. Right. That, that, that's a can't miss gag. That's like a spinoff into a sitcom based on the Odyssey. Yeah. Right. You know, I always thought that a, a great spoof would be, are you familiar with um, like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette? You know, the show? I know the genre. Right. It's to get a bunch of attractive young people together yeah. and see what happens. Right. And so, you know, the, the, the Bachelor the Bachelor has to kind of, you know, winnow the, the field down and, and, okay. and pick the one. Wouldn't a, a great spoof would be kind of a Bachelorette version of the Odyssey. On or, Ithaca. On Ithaca. So Penelope is your, your bachelorette and all the suitors. Okay. Right? And you have kind of those 
those one-on-one or that those uh, one person on camera kind of talking about you know his or her experience you know, right. in, in the household. Okay, I think the potential for for humor there is, that'd be good. Is big, yeah, but yeah. if it's going to be Homeric, she'd have to kill most of them. Well, right? that there's the t- there's the twist. That's the twist, <laughs> right? So nobody saw that coming. And, instead of giving you a rose, she stabs you through the abdomen <laughs> with a spear. Right. <laughs> so it'd be kind of like a combination of one of those kinds of shows in the old Survivor. Right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. The reality show. Um, I'd watch that. Okay. Well, let's roll the next clip, and uh, this one is from episode 39, which is entitled, You Can't Dutch This. Okay, with a little uh, MC Hammer nod. You came up with that. I did. And I liked it quite a bit, especially that we didn't spell the word you. Yeah, right? yes, it's of just, course. Because I'm sure that he didn't either. No, no, Mr. No. Hammer. And no, it's, it's right on. Yeah. This was about Daniel Heinzius. Right. Who's that again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, he was a Renaissance scholar, an extraordinarily learned man. Mm-hmm. He was at the Synod of Dort. He wrote in Latin and Greek and Dutch and Hebrew. The guy had poetry, tons of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so impressed by his industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's roll the clip. Let's roll hear about it. it. I think this is the first time that Dutch 17th century poetry has been read on a podcast. It's got to be. I would think so. I would think that's a, a definite first. So, so what do you think, Winkle? Are, yeah. we, are we going too niche? With this Dutch poetry? Or yeah, the, or whole, every- the whole thing in this episode. I think, if anything, it's not niche enough. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at some of our stats, and um, our listenership in, in Holland, in the Netherlands, is, is, is kind of saddeningly low. It's a little lock looster. It's, lo- it's as low as the, the lowlands. In the, <laughs> that's terrible. And you say not niche enough? No, not niche enough. I'm going to go even more niche, right? <laughs> right? So, no, I, I'm. I like the way that you improv there, I got to say. You said you looked at our numbers coming out of the, the great state, you know, the great country of Holland. Yeah. Right? And uh, they were just kind of abysmally low. Right. You threw in that bad pun at the end. I did. Yeah. I did. Right. And it was my bad attempt to sound like a Dutchman saying lackluster. Oh, is that, that's what that was? Yeah, lackluster. Lackluster. Wouldn't that, isn't that what they would say? I guess so. All I right. guess so. You're right. Dutch. Come on. I, I know. I, I, have to admit, I have to say, I'm, I am always kind of fascinated by the things that you are fascinated by. Like, I, I knew that before, was coming. Before the episode, I had never heard of that, of Daniel Hinzius before. Hinzius. Hinzius. Sorry. Heinzius. Heine to his friends. Right. There we go. So do you, you, do you, you thought he invented ketchup probably. Right. So no, I'm thinking like, like with the Odyssey or you know, the Iliad, if I wanted to strike up a conversation with somebody, I could probably find something, somebody fairly easy who would know something about that. You're right. But um, do you just kind of suffer in silence? Who are you talking to about Daniel Heinzius? Do you have, do you have compadres out there that you can, you can, um, you my know, secret is out and share this, this passion with? No, huh? there aren't a lot of people. Right. That's why I drag that stuff onto the podcast. Yeah. Like uh, the one we didn't cover, which was the one on William Perkins and the memory treatises. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the the first appearance of Lazy Steve. Yes. We didn't run that clip, but no. they can go back and listen on its, on their own. I think it's number 18, mm-hmm. uh, Cranks for the Memories. Yeah. Do you remember that? That was, that was good, right. Yeah, with uh, Bruno, right? Giordano Bruno and uh, Peter Ramos and all those people. Kind of how to how to organize your memory? Correct, right? exactly. As a as as kind of a, a a building full of rooms. Yes, with or, images. Or kind of rotating lazy steves. Yes, right? yeah. wheels, big wheels. Yeah. Or is it going to be more of like a a dialectical way that um, Perkins recommended? Yeah. No, I love that because that was all completely new to me. Right. Yeah. So what you're saying is, in conclusion, yeah. my obscure esoteric interests have actually delighted you. Absolutely. To your surprise, I love esoteria. So we need to roll the next clip, and this is from episode 41, which is entitled, you ready? We Bold This City. (laughs) (laughs) The Mysteries of Mithras. Yeah. The description, 
This week, Jeff and Dave do some spelunking to try to figure out what the strange mystery rites of the Persian cult of Mithras were all about. I imagine ourselves in, you know, fedoras and Dan Rather travel vests and we're, you know, yeah. walking around the Mediterranean. The way these descriptions were written, you know, it's like we're actually doing things. Right, right, right. Should we roll the clip? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. And yeah. what about the mysteries of Orpheus? Orpheus too. Um, I mean, Orpheus famous for being um, uh, the great musician. The great uh, liar shredder, right of uh, of uh, of Greek mythology. Liar shredder. You know, he's a sh- he's a, he's, you know shredding like guitars. I'm I'm borrowing this from you. Don't <laughs> act like you don't know. I'm talking liar about. shredder. <laughs> His amp went to eleven. That, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. So um, he's a son of Apollo, the god of music, but he too um, has this strange story where he's descended upon by a group actually of worshippers of Dionysus. Minads. Minads, and they tear him apart. Limb from limb. But his head goes on singing. As it floats down the river. Right. And so he goes on. He It's a weird, strange, bloody story, but he also transcends death. His song transcends death. Yeah. To quote Celine Dion, his head will go on and on. <laughs> Is that what she was talking about? Absolutely. <laughs> so there we go. Right? Celine Dion? Yeah, what can I say? Big fan, right? You? No. No? no. As I was saying to someone the other day when we were listening to, it was in the airport or something, um, she's got about three notes. It's like a, a G, maybe. Uh-huh. The G above middle C, I don't know what it's called, but the G, the A, and the B. Yeah. She owns those notes, right? Uh-huh. And when she camps on one of those notes, the sound is gorgeous. Yeah. But beyond that... I don't really like anything else. No, I, I think that's a, a very fair assessment. Though. Is, isn't that kind of what pop music is, frankly? I mean, with some exceptions, you've got people who have honed a very small range, and all the songs are written to that yeah. to that register. Right. There's there's a, a joke about the four-chord song. Right. You just basically need four chords, and you can play any pop song right. that has ever been, been written. And, mm-hmm. and I think you're right. Celine Dion, she's very talented, but she has a very... Uh, kind of a, a tight focus, a tight focus, right? Yeah. But I do like imagining the severed head of Orpheus singing the song from Titanic. Right? <laughs> that's a great image. As it floats down the that, river, that's a great mashup. All right, Jeff. So let's roll the next clip, and uh, this one is from episode forty-five, and this was the episode with the great Ross King. Oh yeah, a conversation with Ross King. Let's roll the clip. Two thousand acre park, and so I go for a walk there. I come back um, and work for another couple of hours before. My wife uh, then comes out. She used to have a bell that she rang. (laughs) Stopped using it. Um, This bell was to tell me it's time to come in and help cooking dinner. Uh, Did it make you feel Pavlovian, right? (laughs) Time to come back to the 21st century. So there you go. Yeah, that was that remains one of my favorites. That was so much fun. It was so much fun. Uh, I, it was so unexpected, right? Because I think you you sent out the uh, yes. the, the inquiry, right? The generosity of right. the guy. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was so kind. Yes, and he didn't rush us. He, he kind of took his time. He was happy to talk about Very everything. Very gracious. Right. If, if you told me, you know, ten years ago, hey, if you start a podcast, you can talk to one of your intellectual book writing heroes mm-hmm. i'd have done it 10 years ago yeah who would have thought who'd have thought so i mean it, I, this is just, again another reminder to the audience if you haven't read ross king's books right. go out and do so and he, he's one of those those rare guys who can take a really complex subject uh, research it to death and then write it in such an in, engaging and right. approachable kind of way mm-hmm. he's the, the best of kind of the popularizers out there yeah. yeah i would start with uh the pope's ceiling 
Yes. Which, which is Michelangelo. Agreed. Uh, then maybe move on to Brunelleschi's Dome. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, Last Supper. The Last Supper. Yeah. Another, another great one. Yep. And um, the, the Da Vinci. And then the one we read most recently, which is uh, The Bookseller of Florence. Right. So good. Everything is a hit. So good. And he, and he, he said, hey, uh, next book. I'll come back on. Yeah, it was generous. And we're going to jump on that. Remember, he's, we, we kind of tried to guess, so what is the next book? And we might have actually teased it out. Oh. Botticelli. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's Which right. Which would be so exciting. Yeah, exactly. No, so that was that was a ton of fun. And yeah, that, I think that's in my top three. Right. We have had some great guests on this program. Mm-hmm. There's just no doubt. I mean, generous to share their time with us and, and brilliant in their respective spheres of expertise. Yes. Okay, we're winding down a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, let's roll the clip from episode 48, yeah. which was uh, with our friend, Dr. Patrick, and I'm using that term loosely, <laughs> Dr. Patrick Owens. Roll the clip. Virum cognosco qui romai arrest. Right? Mm-hmm. I know a man who lives at Rome. I'd like sit. That. have to be subjunctive because it's in indirect discourse. Relative clauses within indirect discourse require subjunctive. It wasn't indirect discourse. I know a man who. Yeah. That's indirect discourse. I know a man who. I, it isn't, is it? Okay. Yeah. It's, just, it's just describing the man, isn't, isn't it? How's it indirect discourse? I know. Yeah. And then what comes after I know? Weirdum cognosco. I know a man. Yeah. Or weirdum qui romai adis cognosco. There you go. I got to change the, I got to change well, I, the I would, syntax. Anyway, that's, yeah. I, we can use that example. That's fine. Yeah. And wouldn't it be indirect question? Isn't that what you're saying instead? I was th- I was thinking that you meant I know that there is a man who is who is present, and if it's I know that it is a man who is present, that would be adset. Okay, a, a relative clause of characteristic, in other words, right. right? That's what not what I was intending okay. to express, but maybe I got the clause in the wrong no, spot. No, I'm I'm sure I'm mistaken. No. Great. <laughs> but examples. <laughs> Yes. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, Jeff, what oh, do you man. think? I, I got to admit, that was so fun just kind of standing on the sidelines. You could just hear me just kind of chuckling in the background <laughs> because it did get a little tense there. I could hear in your voice there that um, you were about ready to throw down. Really? Yeah, exactly. You were going toe to toe. Well, I respect that guy more, I know you more than you could ever imagine. I do, and he was a lot of. He, he's a great guest. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, the guy knows his, his, his Latin. He does. Right. But. There was, uh, the, you, but I thought I was right. I think you, I, I yeah. didn't. I mean, not saying I was, yeah. but I thought I was obviously because that's what you do when you're a egg-headed pedant. You think you're right. It's part of the job description, right? But it was. It was in that moment. He had two alpha Latin guys <laughs> stepping toe to toe, and they didn't want. Neither of you wanted to back down, no, especially not on air. <laughs> no, right. This is why Mishka entitled this clip "Quote When Things Got Heated in the Vomitorium." Yeah. And I think that's that's the only time I think in in the in the now you know hundred episode history of of this show where I felt there was some you were uh, a little frightened and that was it wasn't frightened but there was some real tension in the room yeah there, right but I, it was it was fascinating yeah and that that show did really well because you know he's an expert yep all right so we're gonna roll our final clip then yep. we have a few things to do before we end this episode and this is from episode number fifty and that is the one. Based on Aristophanes' frogs, and yeah. it's entitled Brekekekex Coax Coax. All right. Let's roll the clip. Yeah, and right. you should know, listener, that uh, Dr. Winkle maintains in each of our private conversations that his taste is impeccable. It is impeccable. I like about five songs total. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you sometime what his least favorite songs are. That's that's a topic for Those another are the day. ones I happen to like. <laughs> All right, Jeff. So, Mr. Impeccable Taste. Johnny Pop. 
Johnny Pop. Yeah. What are those five songs that you like? Oh, man. Do I, oh, you're putting me on the spot. I got to name them. You knew that was coming. <laughs> right. Well, let me give you... Um, I have this discussion with my friends often. Like, you know, give me your top five songs. You've never talked top, about it. Does well, that mean we're not friends? It might. It might mean that. Okay. That's a subject for another conversation. Um, but you know, top five songs, top five movies. You know, for me, that's always kind of rotating out. But um, currently, um, my number one song, like a, a song that if it comes on the radio, and even if I hear it, you know, all the time, I'll never change the station because I can get something new out of it every time. Is uh, Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill. You know that song? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'd recommend it. Was it featured it. in Apocalypse Now? It was not, but it has been featured in a number of movies, hmm. but you probably haven't seen. Salisbury Hill? Salisbury Hill. Is that where they make the steak? It, yeah, it's very popular there. Okay. Uh, it's a great It's a great song, so I'll, I'll share that. That's a, that, right. That's one of my uh, one of the, fi- the five songs that I like. Yeah. Number two? Number two. Um, my gosh. You've... Um, it's got to be. Oh yes, it's uh, a song like, like a like a prayer by Madonna. No, oh that's a wretched song. Oh my gosh, it's one of the worst ever. Why did you bring that up? Because, because I didn't think you'd like it. Okay. <laughs> um, Tempted by Squeeze is probably also my number two. Sometimes finds its way into the number one slot. Hmm. So um, I'm going to leave it at that. Those that's are, it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a. Um, it's hard for me to kind of to, to it, it, even though in the clip I joked that I only like about five songs, which it's not true, but to kind of talk about what are my top five songs, mm. that's very very difficult. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to tax you. Yeah, well, but you, I'm putting you on the spot. Favorite song. Favorite song of, of all, all time. time. Yeah. Well, I think we talked about this in the Christmas episode. We did. Yes. If put to it, I would have to say I'm going to sound stuffy and classical. Okay. It's not really a song. I would say Haydn's. Piano Sonata number 16. Okay. If that's all I had to live with, right. it would be that. Or his trumpet concerto. But I like a lot of other stuff. Okay. You know? Okay. I'm going to I'm ask you, what's your favorite pop song? Favorite pop uh, song? Exactly. Like, you know, you, you got anything? Uh, I really like More Than a Feeling by Boston. Okay. I never changed that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, that's a wonderful song. I got you. I got you. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Jeff, we have a few items of business to take care of uh, before we round this out. Right. And uh, I wanted to ask you... Something about your view on the process of coming up with the show titles, right? Some people like these titles, yeah. No, and it, the ones who don't should, right? It's it's a it's a lot of fun to try to come up with these, right? So, I mean, as if you're a listener who's paid attention, if you looked at the website and you see the titles of the episodes, the, uh, you know, almost all of them it contains some kind of ridiculous pun, right? And so, uh, but my favorite, some, some kind of assonance, some kind of assonance, right? Uh, but my favorites are the one where I can, if I can come up with a pun, but it also comments on the aspects of the ep- of the episode and so it's not just a pun for punning sake and some of those titles are just puns for the sake of being puns yes but like one of my favorites is cranks for the memories yes right so the, the cranks refers to kind of the, the squabbling guys right and the episode is about kind of the theories of memories so yes, the, which included a crank that turned a wheel there you go and so it kind of it works on those multiple levels that's really yep. i think that's really hard to pull off but yeah and you write about 80 percent of the titles i would say yeah and uh, i occasionally offer a little tweak to the the, you know the basic goodness that you have put out yeah uh, but I mean you're the mind behind it yeah so it's it's a lot of fun but I think it's it's really hard to land on uh, a pun that works on on you know two or three levels right and remember yeah. you said at the beginning of the show that we were going to look forward to another century another hundred episodes yeah we have our work cut out for us absolutely if we're going to come up with any more I know I know I know I know we can do it though okay yes, I, be- right. I believe in you <laughs> That's one, that's one of us. So the top 10 most downloaded episodes. Yeah, what do we got? This might surprise the listener. I don't know. Uh, the first one is episode one. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Classics as a way of life. And of course, anyone who has put out a podcast, which these days is everyone. I mean, you're, you're 
Cat probably has a podcast. He's got a couple. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they know that in the early stages when you're learning the genre, that's your first uh, you know, bite at an audience where they might listen to the first episode, but you're also no good at it I at know. that point. I know. So, oh, if we could only go back and improve some of the nonsense. Exactly. Right. So, you know, often the debut album by, the, you know, any band is, oh, that's awful. It's weak. You want to stick that back in the closet. Right. They got one really good song. You know, right. It's, it's like the demo tape. Right? Exactly. And they get on to the, the real uh, sophomore season. They're ready to go. So it's a kind of a shame. You know, people listen to that first episode. Yeah. Oh, these, these chuckles has they, have no idea what they're doing. Turned it off right there. So that's episode one. Yep. Uh, the, the second most downloaded is good. It's episode two, Homer's Iliad, part one. Then we have The Jung and the Restless, Joseph Campbell and the Hero's Journey. Yeah. We have uh, 28, Susan Wise Bauer, The Well-Trained Mind, a right. conversation with Susan. Uh, what's the best Latin textbook? Discussion with um, Patrick Owens. How to be a Latin guru. Uh, did pretty well. That's episode 63. Our conversation with Heather McDonald, also a wonderful uh, guest to have on the show. Yeah, she was unbelievable. Yep. And then uh, what's the best Latin textbook? Part two. Uh, history and the Trojan War, and then here's a surprise entry uh, yeah. coming in at the the tenth slot, I believe, is uh, the whole enchilada, Epicureanism and Lucretius's De Rerum Natura. Oh, that's right. We did. I think like was it five episodes? Uh, we did at least three. Maybe it was five. Yeah, yeah, four perhaps. So there's a whole enchilada there. At, the whole, uh, and I think that's again one of those people are googling right. They're thinking about DoorDash or. Grubhub or Uber Eats. What are we going to have for supper? Getting something from Taco Bell? Yeah, I want the whole enchilada. <laughs> and then boom, they stumble into, i got to listen to this podcast and Epicureanism. So they, they completely forget about the gordita. That's right. And they listen to our, 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 our episode. That's yeah, it's it. more like bordita. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. So there's our top 10 yeah, so far. Yeah. So, you know, if, uh, if you're the kind of person who has sympathy and compassion for neglected episodes, you know what to do. Yes. All right, Jeff. Well, that's just about a wrap on the Cheesy Clip Show. It is. But before we get out of here, Dave, can you tell us something about the Moss Method and LLPSI? Yes. If you would like to study Greek with me, you can go to mossmethod.com and check out the free offerings. Sign up for the course. You will not regret uh, checking out this fabulous value. There's a lot of material there. So you can go from, what's the catchphrase? Uh, neophyte to erudite. That's correct. In your study of Greek. If you'd also like to take up Latin so that you can read Greek and Latin poetry and prose like Jeff and I do, um, you know, in a number of different settings, so much wonderful material, then please go to latinperdm.com slash LLPSI and check out the course that I have there. It's a, it's a good value as well. It's $199 presently. Uh, we're going to raise the price because the course is now fully complete. Hmm. And uh, you want to you purchase it at this price before it goes up because... It's got 33 different instructional videos. There's just so much material there. You can definitely learn Latin this way. And if they go to mossmethod.com and latinperdm.com, right. there's lots of free stuff they can check That's out. That's right. And these programs get uh, direct access, not just to your videos, but direct access to you. That's right. You're I, grading the quizzes. You're meeting with them with the, the office hours. That's correct. Yeah. I don't put a, a lackey or a flunky in there. It's, That's right. It's, it's all direct. So uh, it's a good opportunity, I think, to really gain some, some proficiency in these languages. Uh, some of you have said that you you like the podcast quite a bit, but you're not in a position to buy a coffee machine and you have as many books as you can handle. Mm -hmm. You know, another way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash Latin per diem. 
And uh, you could become a Patreon supporter. It's all part of this media empire that I mentioned uh, earlier in the show. And that, that money goes directly to uh, maintaining this program. And, and, and if people want, they can they can offer something, just a very small dollar amount. Yeah, dollar ninety nine. There's not like a, there's not like a, um, no. you have to contribute, you know, X amount of dollars. No, right, right? no. Right. No, not like that at all. Right. And any bit, you know, we're very appreciative. We do this for fun. This is not a... You know, a get-rich-quick scheme, obviously. Right. As you can tell by the jokes we tell. Uh, we're just grateful for all the support. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a, it's a ton of fun to do. But um, as as Dave and I were just talking the other day, uh, one of the most the most rewarding part is that people like it. Yeah, they do. Right, and we 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 love to hear from at you. At least some of them. At so. least some of them. Yes, uh, and we love to hear from our listeners. And um, so if you if you want to drop us a note, tell us what you, you like, tell us what you don't like, tell us what you'd like to hear more about. Uh, drop a note. You can write to Dave at Dave at Don't forget the V. You can also say, please don't ever do another cheesy clip show. That's fine. Let <laughs> we, us we know. We need to know that. We can take it. So send that to Jeff at adnauseum.com. <laughs> don't forget the V. Right. Now, Dave, what are we doing next week? Uh, well, we got to say some thank yous. Oh, of course. Of Sorry. course. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. But next week, we're going to go back to the Aeneid Book 6. Yep. Uh, we need to thank um, Ken and Scott for their awesome guitar intro and outro, changing things up a little bit. Yep. Mishka, of course, uh, she did a lot of work on this one. She did. She she waded through um, the archives. That's correct. To pull out these clips. So. And we also want to say thank you, a special thank you to a young woman who lives in Texas, my friend Flannery B. Uh, and she did a lot of work on selecting clips. A very bright young woman, hard worker. And uh, we're grateful for her contribution to this episode. Thanks a lot, and thank you all for listening. And do we wait a minute? What do we have a gustatory parting shot? Do you have one? I don't have one. I thought that we could do something a little bit different. Okay, please. We what? could ask the audience to come up with their own gustatory parting well, shot. I like that a lot. S- stick that, tag that on the end, and if you don't have one, just go eat a sandwich. Sounds good. Sounds good.